This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The latest United Nations climate conference that just wrapped up in Glasgow, Scotland, resulted in an agreement that started out as inadequate to meeting the climate catastrophe and ended up being further watered down to appease oil and gas interests. The 26th Conference of the Parties, or COP26, drew thousands of delegates representing nearly all of the world's nations, as well as hundreds of fossil fuel lobbyists who ensured that the dirty energy fueling climate change remains in use. But there were also thousands of people from around the world representing civil society, indigenous and frontline groups experiencing the direct effects of climate change, farmers, trade unionists, students, and more. Their job was to push delegates as far as possible toward a phasing out of fossil fuels. One of them now joins me. Daryl Jordan is with the East Michigan Environmental Action Council, and he was part of the It Takes Roots delegation. Welcome to the program, Daryl. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So there was, for the first time, I understand, in the final agreement, a mentioning of coal as a problem. And initially, there, the delegates wrote into the draft agreement that one would need to phase out coal. And eventually, countries that were invested in coal, such as China, forced that to be watered down. So there was a phasing down of coal in order for them to be able to sign it. How do you yeah. assess the victory of, or, or not, of the fact that coal was mentioned for the first time? Or is this just too, too uh, low a standard that we have? <laughs> I, I, I think that it, it, it feeds into the whole process that governments and uh, corporations uh, mislead us. And so it wasn't just China and India, but they also get support from uh, places like the U.S which might not have been with them in terms of uh, pushing uh, the compromise, you know, they kind of watered down the whole idea about coal. Uh, but at the same time, it went on through because there were a lot of people who sit back and don't say anything. And so the world thinks that these folks are coming together and are really speaking up and saying that, no, we need to cut back on the things that are killing the earth and whatever. But it's about business and compromise to them. And so, yes, uh, China and India were big voices in that, but they got a lot of support from places uh, like even the U.S., even though they might not have been too visible and loud about it. So when we uh, take a look at what was ultimately agreed to, it seems as though over and over again, it's just pledges, right? It seems as though there's a kicking of the can down the road rather than actually taking action. There's pledges to take action. Sometime 10, 20, 30 years from now, we'll get to this transition. Another thing that I understand that was central to this conference was this idea of net zero, that instead of cutting out carbon, they want to balance out the carbon so that the net effect is zero. That means they still want to keep producing carbon. Was this something that was part of the corporate agenda? Uh, yeah, corporate, and uh, I, I hope I'm not confusing people when I say corporate and some of those government leaders, they're in the same box to some degree. And uh, and we were pushing the, uh, the slogan and the campaign, no net zero, but at the same time, you know, I was trying to explain to some people after I got home, and so uh, I hope it sounds, uh, I was saying that uh, they were more concerned about mathematical equations than, than real uh, 
impacts on communities and, and people. Yeah, pushing back doesn't really change anything because the same effects are happening. It just becomes uh, slower and it becomes less and less out of our attention. But we've got to be for real and tell these people that no net zero, you know, let's stop playing games and really talk about what we need to do. So when we look at these sorts of cl um, climate, grand climate um, meetings, it seems as though very little can actually be achieved because every country, because they have sovereignty, every country is looking out for themselves. And so any of the countries that have economies based on oil and gas see the idea of phasing down as losing their place on the global economy. I mean, this just seems to be the you know, it, it seems to be the wrong path to try to deal with climate change, to bring countries to the table. Do you think that grassroots actions within countries are going to be much more successful than expecting country delegates to get together and come to any agreement? Well, uh, let me slow that down a little bit and say that I was really impressed with the uh, sort of ceremonial and the other kind of uh, you see all these people coming from so many places at COP26. But at the same time, it was the, uh, the real people from communities uh, representing the front line and indigenous communities that were really uh, engaging with each other and letting us know that a lot of the concerns that we have here locally are the same concerns that people have everywhere. And a lot of us was pushing and hoping that people were going to speak to the real needs and speak to real solutions. But what we found out really was that it seems like these corporate leaders and these uh, government leaders, they're more about uh, good public relations uh, than making real change to move us toward the, uh, the kind of uh, solutions and the kind of climate change solutions that, that we're supposed to be letting people know about. And I, I'd like to say that our, our, our biggest job now has to be being uh, translators, you know, hmm. we have to begin to take these messages and these statements and other things uh, from some of the corporate leaders and uh, and some of the political leaders uh, from some of these uh, countries and begin to break it down for people in our community so that they understand that people sound good, but they're not really doing anything. And so that will allow us to help people understand what the issues are and what we need to do and build some power at the grassroots level so that we can begin to compete uh, and push our leaders to do what they're supposed to do uh, so it doesn't become a one-sided one thing where the corporate people keep feeding money and other kinds of things to these governments. And so they let folks get away with doing things that shouldn't be done. Daryl, how prevalent or visible were the lobbyists for oil and gas industries, um, seeing headlines that there were lobbyists just flooding the COP26 climate talks? Uh, yeah, there, there were a lot of lobbyists, and, there, and then there were folks like uh, some of our Congress people and some of the uh, cabinet officials from the U.S. A lot of them uh, just show up to make things look good. Just, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it was almost like a fashion show, but it wasn't about the clothes. It was about them showing up and making small groups look like they're important. And so a lot of those lobbyists and some of them corporate uh, bodies, uh, they like to come and connect with those political uh, uh, leaders from around the world and take those nice pictures and look good. None of them were coming out trying to uh, stand and march with 
uh, so many uh, folks from communities and frontline communities and indigenous communities that were represented there. But they were taking those pictures. You could see them all through the media and whatever. Folks looking all good. But, uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. And I don't mean to try to make it sound too simple. Uh, but in regards to the struggle around uh, these issues, uh, we have to also be clear and fight this public relations uh, 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 putting certain images out there because it allows people not to look too clearly and understand what's really going on and that these folks aren't really doing anything. They just sound good and look good. Uh, we were marching in that big, huge demonstration that they had in COP26, and we had a huge banner uh, for uh, uh, No Net Zero, and we were really surprised that it showed up in some of the media pictures over there and stuff. And so uh, while we didn't have the opportunity to do a whole lot of talking about it, uh, at least it, the picture got, got sent out so that there are people around the world and in communities uh, that are impacted like the city of Detroit, that maybe they get to see that and that gives them something to think about as opposed to some of the uh, articles about uh, all of those leaders coming together and making compromises. You know, that last minute compromise about the coal, it was done so quickly at the end that a lot of folks were thinking that we really were gonna cut back on coal in China and, and uh, the US and, and, and oh my, in India and all over. But uh, at the last minute when people thought things were wrapping down, all of a sudden the big deal began that they just uh, pretty much just uh, laid back on the uh, whole coal uh, pledge. And, and that so tends to happen at these meetings that all of the decisions, uh, you know, they get dragged out and then the very last minute, sometimes the meetings go over time. And then in the dead of night, some of these concessions get made because, you know, the interests of fossil fuel interests hold people hostage, hold the other uh, other interests hostage. Um, what about connections with other frontline communities? What sort of connections did you make with people from around the world who, like you, are um, fighting from the grassroots for their governments to do the right thing on climate? I think that was the best thing about the whole COP experience. Uh, you have people coming from everywhere uh, and that as we began to meet each other, say hello to each other uh, and, and ask where you're from and folks began to talk about why they're there, we find out that we are there for a lot of the same reasons and that we have a lot of the same problems in regards to beginning to speak up and push for the kinds of changes that we really need. And so uh, uh, I was just excited uh, just to meet different folks. And uh, I was really excited about meeting a lot of the African our delegates that were there uh, and talking to them about some of the ways that we are impacted and then also looking forward to next year uh, when next year they say the COP meeting is going to be uh, in Egypt and so that might give us an opportunity for a lot of the uh, 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 community-based and uh, frontline uh, 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 fighters around water climate and other things to stand to come and be visible and loud so that everybody can hear them and we can interact with more of them folks coming from the african continent and folks coming from the middle east that'll be an opportunity for us to engage in folks and communities that really don't have the resources to show up uh you know like some of the uh, richer countries who have uh, uh, uh different kinds of agendas and so i'm looking forward to that because that was a really good thing 
as we find out about each other and we find about the concerns that we have, then that helps us as leaders begin to get stronger. And then we have to go to step two, which is go home and begin to share what we learn in ways that the people in our communities understand what we're talking about so that we can build the power to force some of these leaders that we have to vote for to act like they're supposed to act and not just sit back and uh, and act like they're all cool with these corporate leaders who acting like they're doing stuff and not doing a damn thing. Well, Daryl, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to speak with you and good luck. All right. Thank you. It was a pleasure and a blessing to be here. My guest has been Daryl Jordan with the East Michigan Environmental Action Council and the It Takes Roots delegation. He just returned a few days ago from COP26 in Glasgow. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.